What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of We All Deserve to Eat, a place where we will share ideas, grow together, and appreciate perspective. My name is Neil, and whatever your reason for being here today, I appreciate you, and thank you for joining me on this journey. What's going on, everybody? Well, it's been a minute, I know, since my last episode, and I apologize for that. Things have been pretty crazy uh, north of the border, uh, especially in the school board that I teach, the province that I teach. Um, If you're a first-time listener, hello and welcome. Uh, My name is Neil. I'm a high school teacher out here in Toronto, Ontario. So wherever you are listening from, thank you again for being here. Um, This is We All Deserve to Eat, uh, just to give a little bit of a refresher. Um, It's a place where, you know, we discuss from a family-friendly perspective, um, just different issues that are going on, uh, more so related to the education world. And uh, I started this as a space uh, for some of my students to listen to when we were not face-to-face and when we couldn't establish that, you know, true connection and true bond um, that I strive for in my classes. So I decided to start this podcast among some other initiatives and uh, it's taken off and I, I do have a goal to make this more um, of a regular broadcast. I know I said that in my last episode and I do apologize for sort of being MIA, but there have been uh, quite a few changes that have gone on since the start of the school year, both positive and, um, you know, maybe maybe not so positive, but we're going to try and keep things rolling um, and we're going to try and we just have to keep things rolling, really. Um, we have to adjust We have choices that we have to make on how we respond to sudden changes, as I addressed in our last episode. We have different responses to change, um, however gradual or sudden. And, um, you know, I'm going to talk about what's been going on specifically, you know, where I work and where I teach. And um, again, share maybe a few frustrations, but of course, some some positives. And anyone who knows me knows that I like to start off with some positives. And so number one, um, for those of you who don't know, we are back face to face. We do have the hybrid option, um, specifically in the province and in the region that I teach in, um, in the school board that I teach for. So I have minimal, minimal virtual students. Um, we do have protocols in place for the kids who are face to face. We are all masked up. Uh, we have daily screening tools. Um, many protocols have been put in place regarding vaccinations um, for both students and staff alike. Um, it's been unbelievable being back in school. I, I cannot tell you as a teacher who who really misses um, you know the face-to-face, the camaraderie, the interaction that you get with the in-person activities and the exploration style and discussion style of my classes. I have to tell you to not be looking and a bunch of profile pictures or letters with their first initial is just, it is so refreshing. You know, I understand um, the idea that students don't want to put on their camera. It's hard as a teacher to deal with and as an educator to deal with, of course. But having that, regardless if we're masked up, regardless if, you know, there are these strict protocols and things are coming back gradually in a cautious manner, it is so, so good to be back in school. I cannot tell you. I am so happy, so thrilled. It is busy. There are changes being thrown at us left and right. But in terms of that context of just being back in the building, back with the department I love, 
back in his school that I'm familiar with, um, with just a really, really nice, nice student community, um, a driven academic one. I'm very, very lucky. I'm very fortunate to be teaching uh, in the environment that I'm teaching in, um, but it is just fantastic being back in school. The second thing is the kids, more importantly, uh, they all seem to be excited. Uh, they're aware of the protocols. They, they know that, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, they're not always, not that they're not always willing to adhere to them, but I mean, you can tell that they're a little bit sick of them as well. And I totally understand that. I think everybody is, but in the interest of being mindful of the person next to you and being just conscientious of their peers and of course their teachers and people that they may live with or people that their peers and friends might live with. Um, it's just it, the behaviorals, thankfully, at my school have been minimal when it comes to that, um, if non-existent, not, nothing that I've really experienced. Um, you know, kids are excited to be back. They're excited to be having certain clubs, even if they're run virtually, um, you know, having a sort of even hybrid um, version of a club where you're ha able to have certain uh, activities be face to face. Um, and interacting with their peers again and, you know, for some of them being peer mentors again or executives of clubs, that is uh, in itself just refreshing to be back. There are a lot of teachers, including myself, who really miss um, the supervision and, and running these clubs and sports teams uh, that have been, you know, in place for years prior to March 2020 uh, when everything sort of shut down. And, you know, we're just as excited to be volunteering and, and to be back, you know, especially when you see the appreciation on the students' faces. It really, really is nice. And speaking of that, sports are back. Um, so if for those people who don't know, up in Ontario, there were no fall sports in high school. Um, it was heartbreaking for some of the kids who don't get their senior season. But in an effort to try and make up for anything, even if it's an abbreviated season, um, I've just gotten word uh, that they're trying to implement a fall sports uh, season in March. So this, the, what that means is the sports that would have been played in the fall, September to November, may have an abbreviated season from March till May. Um, which would be just really cool for, again, the seniors that are graduating and especially, you know, some of these students um, who have started really their high school virtually or, you know, not face to face. They have never been in a high school sports setting before. And that would be really exciting for them to be back um, and to experience that uh, if it were to go. And in saying that, the winter sports term is a go. So I coach, for those people who don't know, I coach volleyball and baseball. Um, and I am now uh, on the coaching staff at uh, the high school that I teach at. I am now on the coaching staff for the varsity women's volleyball team. And that in itself, just saying that, running a tryout, putting together a team, um, it's just, it's it's really, really nice to be back. So we ran three tryouts, or sorry, two tryouts. Um, we had over 60 girls come out uh, for this varsity team. And again, the seniors get a season, the juniors, um, they, they get to experience high school sports, some of them for the first time. And it's really just nice to see them in their element, see students outside of school. They get to see teachers outside of school and interact with them just in, and see them in a different light. Um, see them when they're not teaching in a classroom in front of 25 to 30 kids. It's just different. And I think the students really do appreciate that um, as much as as the teachers appreciate um you know, the students recognition that their time is valuable and they like giving those students that experience outside of the teaching periods that we have. 
Um, in saying that, this leads me to this part of the podcast episode where we talk a little bit about some of the frustrations that we are dealing with. And it's kind of fitting that I'm getting this episode going uh, back on the Thursday um, before next week. Um, so on Monday, December 6th, teachers are now experiencing their third schedule change of the semester. And for students, they are experiencing their second schedule change of the semester in an adjustment year being back already. Um, and in a way, and I'll explain why in the, and I'll try to make it the least confusing um, that I can, but they are experiencing in a way sort of like a change for the second time and a half. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a second. So essentially, here's how the breakdown goes. And if you're a numbers person, great. And if your head's going to explode, I apologize ahead of time. I will try and make it as concise as possible. Um, our schedule had started initially um, the way things were before COVID hit. In high school in Ontario, we are responsible for teaching 225 teaching minutes. That is our union standard. I know it comes down to 225, the amount of teaching minutes. Put that in simple terms. That means that high school teachers per semester taught three subjects per day, the same subjects from one semester um, beginning to end and then another three uh, uh, different classes from, you know, semester two beginning to end, right? With three 75 minute periods. Easy enough. 75, 75, 75. Depending on how they structure the day with lunch, you can either get, you know, a 50 minute lunch, a 60 minute lunch, or a 75 minute lunch at the max, and then a 75 minute prep period where you can get some work done, some grading done, some planning done for those courses that you have in the semester. So 75 minutes is how it was broken down and it was easy enough. Now, with the integration of people coming back face to face and still having the hybrid option, students are responsible for four classes per semester, four 75 minute periods, and then they either get a 50, 60, or 75 minute lunch, depending on how the school day is structured. And the way they make up for those times is dismissal time, start time, maybe incorporated a later start time, an earlier dismissal time to make up for those minutes between um, the 50 and 75 or 60 and 75 minutes, right? So our old dismissal time used to be 306, 306, right? Um, but now it is 235, right? And we have made up for that by cutting down our lunch period. Anyways, let's just go back now to that, to our schedule heading into September. We divided the classes into week one, week two. And in those week one, week two, we divided it into four blocks with everybody having a common lunch. Those four blocks were the equivalent of two 75 minute periods. So 150 minutes, two and a half hours, two and a half hours in the morning, two and a half hours in the afternoon. And then week two, the classes switched to what would normally be their period three and period four classes. So 150 minutes, 150 minutes. Because of our union teaching standards, that schedule we were legally entitled to 75 minutes of prep time as per our union standards. So now, everybody having this same 150-minute four-block schedule between two weeks, the teachers now had periods broken down into individual 37-and-a-half-minute blocks. Why 37-and-a-half, you ask? Because 37-and-a-half times 2 is 75. So in those days, every day, there would be a random 37 and a half minute block in the morning 
and a 37 and a half minute block in the afternoon where we would not be with our classes, but rather another teacher would come in. And just because we would get our 75 minutes of prep time, we were entitled to that. We would have to either leave our class halfway through or three quarters of the way through or not start with them and then come in for the remaining three quarters. Now, everyone found this a little bit a little bit hard to balance. Um, you get into a rhythm with your classes and then you have to leave or you don't start with your class every single day. So they reworked the agreement for the teachers where we are with our classes 150 minutes, 150 minutes, 150 minutes for our three legally uh, contracted classes we have to teach. But in that fourth block of 150 minutes, we also have that two and a half hours free. So my schedule is Week one, I teach 150 minutes in the morning, 50 minute lunch, 150 minutes in the afternoon, Monday to Friday. The following week, in the morning, I don't have a class, so for 150 minutes, I have all of my prep time to catch up on, and then 150 minutes in the afternoon, I teach my other contracted class. So I'm getting my 75 minutes of legally entitled prep time. And really what we've nicknamed it is our busy week and our chill week, right? So we have a lot of time to catch up on grading and prepping and all of that. And so that was the second schedule change that took place, I believe, after Thanksgiving or in and around there. On December 6th, this coming Monday, we are going back to a regular four period, 75 minute day where... We will start at the same time, end at the same time. Our lunch has been short, has been kept the same shortened lunch so we can have the same dismissal time. But students are now getting their schedules like a normal semester pre-COVID. So every subject, every day going forward for the rest of the year until the semester ends and then carrying into semester two. Where this gets a little bit frustrating, if you're still with me so far, is... And where I really do attest to, which brings me to my last part, is all these changes are being made, I understand, with the blanket of it's in the best interest for students. And while teachers can adapt and we can change and we can switch our lesson plans up and we can figure things out on how to keep kids engaged, what this really comes down to is a testament to the resiliency of our kids. And it's really unfair to our students right now, because when you think about it, if I were to break down every grade, which I'm going to do, I want you to understand where I'm coming from in terms of the caliber of kid that we are dealing with and the caliber of student in terms of how we are all trying to navigate through this together. The seniors this year in my region will have not had exams since first semester grade 10. And there are no exams for the end of the semester one courses. So half of their grade 12 senior courses will not have exams. That includes math, science, English, business, whatever. Some of the grade 10s have never had a high school exam or have, yes, sorry, have never had a high school exam. The grade 11s, the juniors, have not written a high school exam since their grade nine freshman first semester year. And now these changes, as they are adjusting and integrating back into school, are being thrown at them again. They started the year with a new schedule. Being back face-to-face -face is a whole new ball game in itself, but with a new schedule. They were used to, for a month and a half, 
seeing their teacher either not start with them or not finish the class with them. Then they adjusted to the change of being with their teacher for the entire time, which was a subtle change. I get it. That was a subtle change. And, and for the better, I would argue, I, I agree that the busy week is incredibly busy. Um, but our chill week is, is very nice. And it's nice to be in a rhythm with your class for two and a half hours. But this schedule change again, now back to 75 minutes. Every single day, the student will have to adjust again. Again, it is a testament to the resiliency of the student that we are dealing with. There is a sentiment going around right now that the caliber of student is weaker in high school and elementary school. And my response to that is, what did you expect? It's our job to make sure that these kids are still successful in the capacity in which they're able to operate. These kids don't know what we've been through pre-COVID. Like I said, some of them have never had a high school exam before. Some of them in their sophomore or second year of high school, their grade 10 year, was the first time they were setting foot in a high school setting. We are not taking account into, into the ideas of the emotional strain and the adjustment to the socialization of an environment of perhaps the last school they were in was maybe 400, 500 kids. And in my case of a high school, I have about 1,700 plus at the high school that I work at. So to triple in size, to take into account those factors, I think that we really need to give these kids a pat on the back, let them know that we're there for them at the end of the day. Because when we think about it, all of these adjustments that we are making as adults, we've had to adjust to you know, different landscapes changing in our business and our everyday life. But that's nothing comparative, comparing, comparatively, remix, <laughs> if I can find the words in the language. That's nothing in comparison to what these kids have gone through over the last three months or even over the last year and a half. So educators, number one, congratulations to you for being able to adjust and still having an impact. And if you're struggling, I've seen so many teachers and educators leave the profession and, and talk about how they're struggling. You are not alone. But understand that you are making an impact and a difference every day. And regardless of the changes that we are going through and being subjected to, students, many of them, many of yours, find school a safe place, a place where they get to see their friends, maybe have their first meal of the day, maybe get a chance to feel special. Don't ever let that be lost on you as you're struggling to make these changes if you are. Maybe you're not going through these exact changes that I've described, but maybe over the last year and a half you are struggling. You are finding the adjustment for yourself and even for your lifestyle challenging. And that's okay. But understand that we are all navigating through this together. Students, staff, administration, parents, communities. We're a team. We need to remember that. We need to remember that we are all needing to do our part and work through this together. And as much as we critique and as much as sometimes we tend to want to place blame 
or assign responsibility. It's on us to take that accountability and utilize our skills to ensure that we can't just fall back on these excuses and say, well, it is what it is. I hope at the end of the day, these kids are going to be okay. I hope this next generation is going to be okay. No, it's on us to make that change. And I wanted to extend again an affirmation of appreciation to all the groups I just mentioned. You're doing a fantastic job. And as we head into this holiday season, remember that. Remember that there will be more changes to come and more adaptability and more flexibility will be required over this next few years. More will be called upon us than ever before to band together to make sure that we are prepared for the future, that we prepare this next generation for the future, and that we have the tools to remain adaptable and take care of ourselves. I really wanted to thank you for joining me today. I think that we'll end it there. Again, thank you. Thank you for listening and taking the time to be on this journey with me. The music that you are hearing in the intro and on the outro is from a very good friend of mine way back from university. His name is Mike Anabalu. Please follow him on social media. Um, he has gifted me this beat um, and this beautiful, beautiful music. He is a wonderful artist and he's so full of talent. Um, I encourage you to follow him in his story as well. But thank you for joining me on this longer episode than normal. And um, I look forward uh, to growing and continuing to discuss and share perspective on future episodes. I again will try and make this more of a regular broadcast, but thank you once again. Have a beautiful day wherever you are and take care of yourself.